Father in heaven, Lord, you are such a great and wonderful God. Your mercies run deeper than any of our sins. And we're so thankful that we can come and worship and to study together this morning. Lord, as we're about to open the Bible now, we just ask once more for your Holy Spirit to guide us, to illumine our hearts and minds, to transform us with your word, that you'd speak directly to each of us, Lord, and give us a message from heaven this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. Well, we're doing a series on the kings, and this is the kings that reigned after the kingdoms were split, northern and the southern kingdoms. And we are focusing on the southern kingdom, which only has two tribes, and it's the kingdom of what they, the tribes are known as Judah, or tribe known as Judah. So the southern kingdom where Jerusalem was located. And, you know, I mentioned this in last time's uh, sermon, which is that the northern kingdoms really had no good kings whatsoever. And we are focusing just on the good kings here. We're not focusing on some of the bad kings of Judah, uh, but we are looking today at King Jehoshaphat. And so he, his story is found primarily in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. And so he is also one of the good kings, mostly of the kings of Judah. And so who was King Jehoshaphat? Let's start here in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 1 to 6. This is what the Bible says. And Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways in the ways out of the Lord, uh, ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. So Jehoshaphat, he becomes king and he is a good king. The Bible says that he walked in the ways of his father, David, which was not his literal father, but of course his ancestors. And he sought not unto Balaam, which many people were worshiping in those days. And he also walked in the commandments of God and took away the high places, which was the places where people would worship Baal. So Jehoshaphat, good king, much good to say about him. God was with him. God had blessed him. Why? Because he was walking with God. But let's continue reading here in 2 Chronicles 17, now verses 7 to 9. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, even to Ben-Hael and to Obadiah and to Zechariah and to Nethaniel and to Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, even Shemaiah and Nethaniah and Zebediah and Asahel and Shemiramoth and Jehonathan and Adonijah and Tobijah and Tobadonijah, Levites, and with them Elishama and Jehoram, priests. 
And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Don't mind all the names, difficult names to recite there in the Old Testament. But what we see here is that he took the book of the law. He had the book of the law and with the priests and the Levites, he went out and taught the people. He magnified the law of God amongst the people. He uplifted the law of God high amongst this nation. And as a result, the word of God was magnified. God was lifted up, not just in knowledge, but especially in the hearts of the people. You know, friends, this helps us to realize the importance of teaching and preaching. There will always be a need for teaching and preaching the people the Word of God. This is so important. God's Word must be lifted up if we want to see people come up higher in their morality, come up higher in their walk with God. If we want to see revival throughout the land, the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, the law of God, must always take place throughout the work that we do. This is one of the fundamental things that Jehoshaphat started with. And we see the results here in verses 10 to 11. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver, and the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 he-goats. So we don't only see um, revival taking place throughout the land of Judah and wherever the law of God was lifted up, but the Bible also says that the fear of the Lord also fell on all the kingdoms around them. All, all of this because the law of God was lifted up, and as a result, Judah had peace. The Philistines and the Arabians, which were not the people of God, they even brought gifts and presents. They didn't even need to fight. Do you see that? God was, in a sense, fighting for them and prospering them and bringing fear upon all the nations all around them. People were coming to know about God because the knowledge of God and His law was being uplifted in the land. Now, where was it being magnified? This wasn't evangelism. They weren't going uplifting the law of God to the Philistines and to the Arabians. No, the law of God was being lifted up in the land of Judah again, in the hearts of God's people. And as a result, God could work for them. Do you see that? As a result, God would do wonderful miracles and works amongst them, as we'll see in a minute. So, you know, sometimes we think, oh, oh we got to go do evangelism. We got to go and minister and witness to the people. But friends, there is such a great importance of still uplifting the law of God amongst God's people. There is still a great importance of uplifting the law of God amongst the Christians within the church. There's much work to do within the church before sometimes we even think about stepping out to witness to the Philistine or to the Arabian. Do you see that, friends? So revival, the work within the church, is still really important. And God was prospering Jehoshaphat. God was blessing him. And God was blessing the nation of Judah or, or the, you know, the two tribes that composed of Judah. 
But yet Jehoshaphat would not sit around idle doing nothing because God was blessing him. Look at what he did. Whilst the fear of God was upon all the nations around about, and whilst he had peace, look at what he did. 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 12 and 13. And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. And he had much business in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. Do you see what he would do there? The Bible says that he would go and build the castles and the storehouses. He would train men of war. He was still preparing for battle, even in times of peace. He did not take for granted the fact that God was with him and that he just didn't have to do anything. No, he continued to prepare. He continued to, to do his part in, in building up his army in case one day some other surrounding nations would come and attack him. He does his part as God does his. However, we come to Second Chronicles chapter 18 and we find that Jehoshaphat, he joins himself to King Ahab and he, King Ahab is the king of the northern kingdom, the king of Israel at this time. And they were, you know, brothers and sisters. They, they were cousins, right? This were of the same family and tribe. But you see, King Ahab, He's infamous. He's famous for all the wrong reasons. Ahab is one of the most wicked kings in the history of all the kings. His wife, Jezebel, would turn him away from the worship of the true Jehovah God, and he would turn him to worship Baal. And so while he reigns, of course, the prophet Elijah is alive at this time, and he is one of the most famous prophets in all the Bible. But anyways, in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, we read about this story. And we're not going to go through chapter 18. Please take the time to go and read the story there. It's quite an interesting story about Jehoshaphat and Ahab. But Jehoshaphat, he makes an unwise decision to ally himself with Ahab and go to war with him against his armies against not his armies, but his enemies. However, before going to war, Jehoshaphat, he has the good sense to, to ask, hey, is there not a prophet in our midst that we can ask some counsel? Because you see, Ahab had gotten all his false prophets to come in and say, yes, God is with you. He's going to prosper you. He's going to bless you. He's going to, you know, do whatever you want, Ahab. But Jehoshaphat, even though he had made this unwise decision to ally himself with Ahab, um, he says, look, we need, we need to hear from a true prophet here. He didn't trust all these false prophets, obviously. And so in comes Micaiah. And Micaiah, he gives a prophecy that, look, the kingdom of Israel is going to be scattered as sheep without a shepherd. Basically, foretelling that Ahab would die in battle. And he does. But somehow, after Jehoshaphat finds this true prophet of God, and he gives this such a startling warning, yet Jehoshaphat still goes ahead, goes to war, and Ahab dies in battle, and by the grace of God, Jehoshaphat's life is spared. So, you know, that is really the crux, the, the main thing of Second Chronicles 18, and it's not all about Jehoshaphat, it's mainly about King Ahab and Micaiah. Jehoshaphat is there, but we don't read much about him. But nonetheless, we see that Jehoshaphat made a bad decision 
in allying himself with Ahab. And then we pick it up in Second Chronicles chapter 19. Look at this, verses 1 through 3. And Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. So God, he sends a prophet. He sends a prophet to give Jehoshaphat a, a, a warning. And in a sense, he excuses Jehoshaphat's um, wicked act of joining himself with this ungodly Ahab. But it was an, un, an unwise decision. And he's told that there would be wrath from God. There would be punishment. You know, friends, Jehoshaphat, he made an honest mistake. But because of the message from one of the prophets, Jehoshaphat realizes his relationship with God needed to be worked on. He needed to come back to God. He had to repent. He had to, 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 to stabilize and, and work on his foundation anymore, uh, even more. And you know, he could have reacted differently. He could have reacted in a way where, how dare you? I'm the king, you're just a prophet, you're just another person. How dare you speak to a king like that? You know, many kings would have been upset and offended, but thankfully, Jehoshaphat was not. Upon hearing this message from God through this man, Jehu, what does Jehoshaphat do? Look at this, Second Chronicles 19 verse 4. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Bathsheba to Mount Ephraim and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. So upon hearing upon this, of this message, this warning that there would be some sort of punishment, wrath would come out from God, Jehoshaphat quickly goes out and he brings everyone back to the Lord. He does as much as he can possibly do to come back to God. And what else does he do? Look at this in verses 5 to 7 of 2 Chronicles 19. And he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. So he exhorts the people throughout the land, but he also exhorts the judges to fear God. He told them that God is not a respecter of persons. God cannot be bribed. We got to make sure that we do our work honestly. We make sure we do our work in the right way, that we don't judge any, uh, defraud anybody or do anything by taking bribes because God cannot be bribed. We got to make sure that we do all that is right. So Jehoshaphat, he's still uplifting the standard of God. He's still upholding God's word and his law, and he's still trying to do much more. He realizes his mistake. He makes no excuse for it. He doesn't get angry at the prophet, but he says, wow, for the prophet to say this to me, I better be humble. I better make it right. I better go do as much as I can to make sure that my nation and the people in it are okay. But he's not done yet. 
Let's keep reading. 2 Chronicles 19, 8-9 Moreover in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set of the Levites and of the priests and of the chief of the fathers of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a perfect heart. So he also exhorted the people through the Levites. He didn't only just talk to the judges, the political system, but he also went and talked to the Levites, the religious system. And through them all, he exhorted them to fear the Lord, to do the work properly, righteously, and to execute their office faithfully, to fear the Lord with a perfect heart, the Bible says. And so Jehoshaphat, he was repentant. By his works, it showed that in his heart he was sorry, that even though he had made this unwise choice, he still went out and sought the Lord. He did not get angry at the messenger. He took the message on board and realized it was a message from God, a message of love, a message of grace and mercy. Jehoshaphat, you got to come back to me, even though you made this unwise decision. And it just goes to show, friends, no matter how close we walk with the Lord, sometimes we are still human. We still make mistakes, honest mistakes. And sometimes when people come in our path to correct us, we should be thankful that God still loves us and He still wants to work through us. And this is what Jehoshaphat does. But let's keep reading. Second Chronicles 19 verse 11. And behold, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord. And Zebediah the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah. For all the king's matters, also the Levites shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. You see that? He's exhorting them continually. Deal courageously. That is what is needed in this day and age, friends, especially for those who are called to stand in the pulpit to teach the people the law of God, to teach the word of God and give the message to the people. We got to make sure that we stand up for that which is right. It's not the most popular thing to do. We must be tactful in presenting the message, but still, friends, we have to deal courageously. If we are to stem the tide of evil, go against the grain and do that which is right whilst everybody else is doing wrong, we got to take courage. Just like Jehu, the, the prophet who had to come and stand before the king and said, you've done wrong. There's going to be wrath from God. You know, friends, prophets are human after all, and it takes a lot of courage, a lot of courage to do that which is right. Look at Jonah. God called him to go to Nineveh. He refused. He wanted to run. Maybe he was scared. Who knows? Maybe he just hated them so much. But, you know, it takes a lot of courage and backbone to do what God calls each and every one of us to do. I want to take you to the writings of Ellen White and look what, what she says about this whole situation. Patriots and Prophets, 191 paragraph 2. Throughout the kingdom, the people were in need of instruction in the law of God. In an understanding of this law lay their safety. By conforming their lives to its requirements, they would become loyal both to God and to man. Knowing this, Jehoshaphat took steps to ensure his people through instruction 
in the Holy Scriptures. Do you see that? He took steps to make sure his people were secure by teaching them the Scriptures. The princes in charge of the different portions of his realm were directed to arrange for the faithful ministry of teaching priests. By royal appointment, these instructors, working under the direct supervision of the princes, went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And as many endeavored to understand God's requirements and to put away sin, a revival was effected. But friends, where did this revival begin? It began by sending people out to teach the Word of God everywhere. As the law of God was magnified, as the Scriptures were opened and their understanding enlightening the people, what happened? People began to change. They began to put away sin. And as they did, it said, revival would sweep throughout the land. Let's read again now in a different passage, Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, 627, Paragraph 1. To this wise provision for the spiritual needs of his subjects, the appointment of teaching priests, Jehoshaphat owed much of his prosperity as a ruler. Where was the prosperity found? In finding people to go out and teach the people. In obedience to God's law, there is a great gain. In conformity to the divine requirements, there is a transforming power that brings peace and goodwill among men. If the teachings of God's word were made the controlling influence in the life of every man and woman, if mind and heart were brought under its restraining power, the evils that now exist in national and in social life would find no place. From every home would go forth an influence that would make men and women strong in spiritual insight and in moral power, and thus nations and individuals would be placed on vantage ground. Friends, today there is a great need of teachers of God's Word, teachers that are willing to stand up, to make effort to teach the people the law of God and what is found in Scripture. If we would see teachers multiply, we would see revival take place throughout the world on every level, from the home to the school, definitely in the church, but even at the national level in business and in politics. Every home would exert a powerful influence that would effect change all around us. Friends, this is our great need today. If God's law is to be exalted, to be lifted up high, if His Word is to be that focus, God's cause requires more teachers. Not more ministries, but more teachers at the lay level. Somehow, in some way, when, when, when people become uh, good at teaching, we, we, we try to just look at how we, we can form a ministry or, or do something to just get our name out there so we can teach more. No, friends, we need people who are willing to be humble to work and to teach continually, not for the sake of any gain, but for the blessing that God's law and His Word might be magnified. You know, the gospel going to the whole world that has been transported by angels in Revelation 14. It's swift, not because God is, is teleporting people around the world, like what he did with Philip, you know, when he was asked to preach to this Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. After the eunuch was baptized and they came up out of the water, he disappeared. Philip just disappeared. Why God had taken him and 
thrown him to on some other part of the world. But no, friends, God is not going to do that in the last days. He needs more teachers. We need more teachers. God's cause needs more teachers. And it's not through the internet and boosting of videos. No, friends, God's work needs people, human flesh and blood, people that are willing to stand up and teach and preach the Word of God everywhere. And now coming back to the story of Jehoshaphat, he had peace, but his peace would not last that long. Remember, God said there's going to be wrath that will come because of that unwise decision that you made. But look at what happens now. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 4. This is what happens. It came to pass also after this that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to do what? To seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. What happened? The, the surrounding nations would come and attack him. They would come and fight. Did God allow it? Yes, for some reason. Somehow he allowed war to come upon them. At the beginning, the fear of the Lord kept all the enemies at, at bay. But somehow now, the Lord allowed all this to come upon them. But you know, Jehoshaphat, he was not afraid. When he heard this, he went to seek the Lord. And when the problem came, you know, he just ran back to the Lord, whom he had been walk, walking with already. He didn't put his trust in the armies that he had been building up and those mighty men of valor that had, he'd been training you know, all these years. And he didn't put any trust in those walls that he'd been building and those castles. No, he came to ask God for help. And he could ask him for help because he knew God. And not only that, all the people rallied around him and prayed with him as well to seek God together with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he had been preparing for this moment. He had been preparing for this time. The teaching priests and Levites and even the judges that empowered them, they were the ones that had been teaching the people. And when the crisis came, everybody was ready. You know, friends, when we don't make prayer a habit, when trouble comes, it just makes us panic. It makes us to run here and there. We go crazy, but not so with Jehoshaphat. Look at this. Conflict and Courage 217, paragraph 2. Jehoshaphat was a man of courage and valor. For years, he had been strengthening his armies and his fortified cities. He was well prepared to meet almost any foe. Yet in this crisis, he put not his trust in the arm of flesh, not by disciplined armies and fenced cities, but by a living faith in the God of Israel could he hope to gain the victory over these heathen who boasted of their power to humble Judah in the eyes of the nation. You know, we're told here that he had right to trust in his fenced cities, in his armies, but he didn't. He ran straight to God. He ran directly to God in prayer. And we read 
in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 from verse 5 to 12, that prayer. You can go back and read all about it. But look at what we continue to read in Conflict and Courage 217 now, paragraph 4. Look at this. With confidence, Jehoshaphat could say to the Lord, Our eyes are upon thee. For years he had taught the people to trust in the one who in past ages had so often interposed to save his chosen ones from utter destruction. And now, when the kingdom was in peril, Jehoshaphat did not stand alone. All Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Unitedly, they fasted and prayed. Unitedly, they besought the Lord to put their enemies to confusion that the name of Jehovah might be glorified. Friends, this is the power of teaching people the law of God, of going out there and teaching people the word of God. Jehoshaphat, in the time of crisis, he did not stand alone. For years, he had been teaching the people to trust in the one who had interposed to save them before. And now when the crisis now came upon them, because of their trust that they already had, none of them had to panic. They were okay. They could walk with God. They were fine. And they had their trust fully in Him alone. They prayed unitedly. They fasted unitedly. They sought the Lord unitedly. And the Lord worked mightily for them as well. But we keep reading in Conflict and Courage 2.17, now paragraph 5. God was the strength of Judah in this crisis. And He is the strength of His people today. When? Today. We are not to trust in princes or to set men in the place of God. We are to remember that human beings are fallible and erring and that He who has all power is our strong tower of defense. In every emergency, we are to feel that the battle is His. His resources are limitless and apparent impossibilities will make the victory all the greater. You see, friends, the battle is not ours to fight. Sometimes we think the trial comes upon me. It's my problem. It's my battle. I have to do something. But if we've learned to trust in God, if we've learned to spend time with the Lord, if we have made Him our trust and our all-sufficiency, we have nothing to worry about. And so look at what Jehoshaphat hears from God. Look at what God says to him and communicates with him in answer to his prayer. Now God comes in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 17. Look at what he says. You shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Do you see what God says there? He says what? Stand still. Stop running around. You're not going to need to fight. And you see, friends, if we have done all that we can to prepare for a coming crisis, when that coming crisis comes, and we've done all that we need to do, we can stand still. We can be calm. But when we know that we've not done our very best, when we know that we've left things to the last minute, that's where we're found running around doing this and doing that and preparing this and preparing that. But in the time of crisis, when Jehoshaphat knew, 
I've done all that I can, God. He could rest. When God says, stand still, he knew that he could because he had done his very best in times of peace. Friends, in the similar manner, when we are walking with God, when we are spending time with Him on a daily basis, when we are experiencing the small victories, when we are seeing God revive our land and our church and our home and our personal lives, when the crisis comes, we know that God will fight for us because we know that He's already been with us and will continue to be with us through that crisis. So, in answer to in reply or in response, I should say, to what God said to Jehoshaphat when he says, stand still, you don't need to do anything. The, the battle is the Lord's. What does Jehoshaphat do? Look at this. Second Chronicles 20, 21 and 22. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, which will come against Judah, and they were smitten. What did Jehoshaphat do? He put singers at the very front of his army. God was the one that said, you don't need to fight. Stand still. At the point when God said that to him, the battle had already been won. Even though those those mighty hosts of armies were still surrounding him and were camped out against him, he'd already won. Why? Because God said, you have won. I will fight for you. You won't need to fight. Just stand still. Hold your peace. Don't worry. And so in faith, Jehoshaphat, when he marches out to fight against them, he puts the singers first. To do what? To praise God. And friends, that's what we ought to do. This is why praise is so important. This is why it's so important to recognize the the providences of God and how He will work for us. Friends, if you haven't put a praise down yet, please write a praise there. I would love to hear from all of you. How has God blessed you? How has He fought for you? How has He provided for you? As we keep all these stories in our minds, not just about other people, but of our own experience, then the victories will come more often. So instead of putting those mighty men of valor that he'd been training all these years that were probably more than capable to help win this battle, he put singers, singers to praise, singers with a sign of his faith that he knew that he trusted God would give him the victory. And so the battle was won that day. But not only that, look at what it says in verse 29 to 30. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. Because of this signal victory, the fear of the Lord fell upon all the surrounding nations. And once again, Jehoshaphat had peace. Let's keep reading. 31 to 32. Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 30 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shili. And he went and walked in the way of his father Asa, and departed not from it, doing that which was right in the sight 
of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was a good king. God blessed him through and through, not because God simply chose him. He's chosen all of us. But Jehoshaphat's heart responded to the message and the appeals and the love of God. He walked close to God. And even as God blessed him, he made sure that he would be faithful. He made sure that he took not the glory to himself. He made sure that he walked just as close to God as well. There's so many good qualities to admire about King Jehoshaphat. Yet, you know, there's always this but that's coming, right? There was one fatal mistake that Jehoshaphat made. Let's read. And for some reason, you know, the Bible includes this, not to intentionally stain the life of a good man, but somehow to remind us we got to be careful. Look at this. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 35. And after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. He joined himself to who? The Bible says he joined himself to Ahaziah, king of Israel, which was the northern kingdoms. Remember, he had already joined himself to Ahab one time, and Ahab died in battle that time. But now he joins himself again to another king of Israel, and this was none other than the son of Ahab. This is not the first time he made this foolish alliance. Jehoshaphat, why did you not learn from your foolish mistake, right? And we don't know the reason, real reason behind it. Was it political advantage? Was Ahab's kingdom richer? Can't be, right? God, God blessed him so much. And even when he fought with, the, fought with the Moabites and the Ammonites, they went out for three days and we didn't read it. But in 2 Chronicles 20, 25, the Bible says that they went out for three days to collect all the, the jewels and the riches, all the treasures from off their soldiers. That's how it, long it took. Jehoshaphat was not lack of money. There was no good reason to, to really ally himself now with Ahaziah, which is the son of Ahab. And he did wickedly. He did wickedly. The first time when he allied himself with Ahab, remember Jehu, he would come in and speak a clear message against him and says, you've done foolishly. You shouldn't have done this. There's going to be wrath from God, right? And Jehoshaphat, he took it humbly. But now this is the second time he's doing it. Look what happens. What's the result? Second Chronicles 21, verse 1 and also verse 5 and 6. Now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. Verse 5. And Jehoram was thirty and two years old when he began to reign. And he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of who? Israel. Like as did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife. And he wrought that which was evil, in the eyes of the Lord. Jehoshaphat's son would end up marrying the daughter of Ahab, Athaliah. And if it was not for this alliance, Judah actually would have a, an unbroken string of good kings. It was that Athaliah that would reign for a short period of time in Judah as a wicked queen. And you know, friends, we have to be so careful with unequally yoked alliances. And you think, I'm going to talk about relationships, right? Well, it didn't begin there, you see, friends. It didn't begin there. It began with unequally yoked 
friendship. Do you see that? It began with unequally yoked friendship. All, um, all Jehoshaphat did was go down and, and maybe make friends with, with um, Ahab and then his son and all of these things, right? But it seemed like Ahab and Jehoshaphat hung out too much, too much to the fact that Jehoshaphat ended up be, befriending the son as well, Ahaziah. You know, it's so important, friends, that we choose our friends wisely. Maybe he was just tired. Look, I'm tired of having no friends. And the only one that understands me is that of a king. Not necessary, friends. You don't have to find rich friends of the same stature just because you're at that level. You've got to find good friends no matter the social status, no matter how much money they have in their bank account, no matter how they live. Friends, you've got to find people that are good in character. And this is what Jehoshaphat failed to do. But dear brothers and sisters, if you want your children to stay in church, you will need to hang around people more in church as well. Your ungodly friends may have a huge impact on your kids, um, but it might not seem overnight, but the impact might be in later years, which will lead them in years to come further and further away from God. If your, your close friends are, are friends of the world, your kids will see that as well. As parents, we need to make an effort to join ourselves to these church programs that are there for the sake of not just ourselves, but for the sake of our children. Yes, family worship is important. Learning to do our personal devotions is really important, but a godly environment as well as good friendships are equally important as well. And we got to make sure that sometimes we stretch ourselves to the point that, hey, I got to push to be here and stay back as tired as I might be, as much as I want to, to, to go home and have a nap or whatever it is. Sometimes putting yourself in a good environment is so important. For the young people, let's take a step back before you get into an unequally yoked relationship. Where did it begin? It was unequally yoked friendships. You know, Jehoshaphat, he, he must have recalled it, the evil that he see that was taking place up in the northern kingdoms in Israel. But yet he still to, chose to hang out with Ahab and then eventually Ahaziah. And then when he passed away, his son would follow in the footsteps of the wicked kings of the north. Nothing wrong with having friends of the world, but pray that you would have good friendships in the church as well. People that would have good influence on you. The young people need that today. So easy to be swayed left and right, isn't it? We got to be so careful. And let me leave you with this word of warning here in Mind, Character and Personality, 627 paragraph 3. Look at this. We sustain a loss when we neglect the privilege of associating together to strengthen and encourage each other, one another in the service of God. The truths of His Word lose their vividness and importance in our minds. Our hearts cease to be enlightened and aroused by the sanctifying influence and we decline in spirituality. You know, friends, we might say, well, I'm going to church every week. I'm reading the Word of God. But it might be that our ungodly associations will neutralize any good thing that the Word of God has in our hearts. We have to be so careful who we choose as our associates, those that we choose to spend time with. Why? Their influence will eventually rub off on us 
whether we realize it or not. We must be so careful. And I'm not saying that people out there are just um, on purpose outrightly wicked, but the devil will push us into directions that we are not aware of, and we just must be careful whom we choose as friends, as close friends. Let's not be like the Jews who, who built walls and says, I'm not going to associate with any bad person out there whatsoever. No, friends. We, we, we got to be open and witness to the world and be a friend to everybody as Jesus was a friend to sinners. But he held his standard high. He chose his inner circle. Of the twelve, there was Peter, James, and John. He chose his associates, his friends, whom he chose to hang out with, with, with Lazarus and Martha and Mary. He was careful in the surroundings of which he chose his friends. And so, brothers and sisters, we've got to be careful in that way as well. I wouldn't say that Jehoshaphat sinned, but he made a fatal mistake that would affect his, his children and the kingdom of Judah for many, many, many years. And if it was not for this decision, Judah would have had that unbroken string, unbroken chain of good and godly kings. But it was because of this, it would plunge the whole, whole nation into idolatry again. So friends, let's make sure we stick close to God. But let's make sure that we choose to hang out with people that we know love God, that will be a good influence. And though we make mistakes, we'll come back and we'll ask God to forgive us, that we put our, our friendships in the proper perspective with who we choose to hang out with today as well. May God help us to choose these good and godly influences in our life. May we make wise choices today. May God help us to that end, that we'd be willing, yes, to adjust our friendships for the sake of our salvation and the salvation of our husbands or wives or our family, our children, that they may also be influenced in a good and godly way as well. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for, for the example that Jehoshaphat set for us, that he chose to walk with you, chose walk closely with you, to be faithful to you, to uplift your word and your law, not just in his home, but to a whole nation. We saw that good influence but yet it was largely neutralized by who he chose to befriend. Father, please help us to be wise in the choice of our friends. Help us, Lord, to know how that we can be that better influence, how we can know how to reach out to others, but also to choose associations that are good and healthy for each and every one of us. Please, Lord, guide us to that end. Lead us and I pray that you fill us with your spirit, that we might be faithful to you in these times. May your law and your word be exalted and written in our hearts this day. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.